It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey guys, what's going on? Jeff Mosher here from the Inside the Birds podcast. Listen, I am covering the Eagles on my own independent journalism route on patreon.com slash Jeff Mosher, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Jeff Mosher. You're going to get really in-depth coverage. You're going to get all 22 tape breakdowns, previews for games, recaps, scouting reports, inside information, the whole gamut. It'll be very comprehensive Eagles coverage for only $1.99 a month. That's like like six cents a day for great coverage you can't beat that also for every 100 subscribers i'm gonna donate ten dollars to the wounded warrior project listen there's no pop-up ads there's no distractions and the content you don't even have to look for it comes straight to you via email patreon.com slash jeff mosher check it out this is lane johnson and you're listening to the inside the birds podcast Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is the Inside the Birds podcast. We are back. It's episode seven. Myself, Jeff Mosher, Adam Kaplan, Billy Osborne, here doing what we do every Wednesday night, bringing you the inside scoop on the Philadelphia Eagles, who are now two and one. Uh, Adam, Billy, very, uh, I want to say, intriguing game that we had the other day. Uh, another low-scoring game, which, by the way, I predicted. I think when we did our predictions, I was on. the closest, right? Yes, yes. So what do I win? Yeah. Billy, what are you giving me? Oh, a man. free Protec helmet? A free Protec. Yeah, exactly right. You get a free Protec and a uh, player to be named later. All right, welcome into our Facebook Live audience. If you don't know, this is a Protec helmet made by Defend Your Head, the company that Billy Osborne works for, and he's equipping kids in high school, college, pros, with this kind of uh, helmet protection, right, to, as, we, as we try to safeguard everybody playing football against the growing concussions that we're learning about. It's so a, it's a big this deal. is huge, right? Yeah, it's a big deal. And for, uh, we're all, all over social media. Go to www.defendyourhead.com and you'll see all the videos. It's, it's a big deal with concussions and, of course, with us youth football losing players. It's, it's something that uh, is because of the concussions and the CT issue. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a ripple-down effect from the NFL. Parlays well in what we're going to talk about yep. today as far as losing players, gaining players. Obviously, um, the Eagles got Carson Wentz back, and we'll talk about that a little bit as we go forward. But I think the big news for this week is Alshon Jeffrey was returned uh, has returned or was cleared, I should say, for contact. And to be honest with you guys, we talked about it last week, as, as significant as Carson Wentz's return is, I think Alshon, if you want to say 1-1A, one one Alshon Jeff, Jeffrey coming back to this this offense and providing you with something on the outside now, with no Mike Wallace, with no Mac Hollins, with Nelson Aguilar really suited for the slot, if he is going to play against the Titans, and Adam, I'm going to ask your opinion mm-hmm. on that, uh, what a huge difference it can make for this offense right now that is, I believe, 
tied for the third fewest pass plays of 20 or more yards. Actually, they only have six. And although Carson Wentz did his best to get the ball downfield, they just don't have anyone who can get downfield on the outside, left or right sideline. They just don't have that. That's been constant since week one. And the one thing Alshon will do, and I do believe he'll play this week, is just opinion, uh, just based on uh, the reality of, as you said, Jeff, when a player gets cleared for contact and he has a full practice, unless he has a setback, he should practice fully uh, Thursday and Friday. So he should be able to play, and we'll get in as the show develops tonight on how much we think he could play. But his return, Jeff, because then you could, you could have Jordan Matthews in the slot. You could have Aguilar on the, on the other sideline. You could have Kamar Aiken outside. You could have Jeffrey on the right side. You could have Aguilar in the slot. So it gives you different options, uh, which they have not had. Uh, look, Jeffrey is the one physical receiver they have on the outside. They just, without him, is a completely different situation. One that, you know, Matt Collins, I think, is a talented guy, but he's not the most physical receiver. The one physical guy they have and why they extended Alshon Jeffrey's contract is his ability to outfight the defender. No one better. The Eagles nailed it. That's what they wanted, and that's what they got. It's amazing because Billy and I, when we, we, we've noticed how much, and I'm sure you have too, that this team has had to play its third tight end, Josh Perkins, outside, split wide. Almost every single As a yeah. receiver, him and Kamar Aiken, who's also a six foot two, six foot three guy, just to get some size on the out. They are literally playing a third tight end who used to be a, a college wide receiver, and that's yep. a big reason why. But it just and and again they beat the Colts basically throwing the ball to their tight ends and running backs with very few catches by the wide receiver. If you put Alshon Jeffrey out there, Billy, well, you know, Billy, you played wide receiver. Yep. Uh, what you didn't do was elevate like Alshon Jeffrey. I can't imagine because you're not six foot three yep. and you're not two hundred and ten pounds. The type of presence that he will bring against any defense is what. It's it's so difficult because his wingspan is so big. So that means his target when 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 Carson's back there, it's it's massive. And then when you go and you high point the ball, catch radius exactly. Yeah. When yeah. you have a you have a DB who's five eight five ten, especially in the red zone, it's just so difficult. Not only can you run the fade routes, you can run the go routes. You can body him almost like a basketball player. So when you run the slant, mm -hmm. you can really use your body. That's why a lot of times you'll see the quarterbacks will throw the ball down low because they know that they can go in and get it and protect the quarterback or protect the ball from being knocked away or intercepted by the defensive I think, back. I think it's important to notice, uh, to take, or at least I, I didn't see it in Chicago. I believe Doug Peterson used Alshon Jeffrey last year in a way that I had not seen him use in the past, and I think in, it, it capitalized on what you were saying. A lot of three-by-one formations yeah. with Alshon on the backside running a slant. I think most people became accustomed to seeing Alshon deep dig, fade, nine. In fact, I had a guy tell me this guy can't do anything other than run that until he came to the Eagles. I think it's just that Doug Peterson actually was innovative enough to try to give him a role that he didn't normally have, and he used that big body and I'll call it surprising quickness. It's not speed, but he definitely takes DBs by surprise to get open. Yeah, Jeff, I think what happens is Doug sees his ability to create leverage. Mm -hmm. Alshon's leverage against a def defensive back, he shields off the defender and uses his body. No other receiver in the Eagles does that. And I think that's what the Eagles saw on tape when they scouted him and when they decided to re-sign him. That was the one thing that he gave them, even with a bad shoulder last year, because remember, he actually had a bad shoulder... Uh, in training camp last year. All training camp. Yeah. We were, we I mean, didn't people know were making fun of him yeah. for doing nothing on the side. We didn't know what it was. And in fact, the Eagles didn't think it was as bad as it would turn out to be. But the fact of the matter is, getting him back will be huge. And I do believe it'll be this week, barring a setback. And remember, when we did the Saturday show here at WIP, we were kind of surprised 
that they didn't list him as doubtful. They listed him as questionable. Yeah, right. Although he had not got cleared for contact. So that told me he's very close. And being that he got a full practice on Wednesday, I, I, I would be very surprised if he doesn't play. Now, the other question is, Bill, from a guy like you who played football, high school, grade school, and then in college at Pitt, but you, you know, we talked how, uh, in previous years how you came back from ACL reconstruction. But w- when you're not around to play and you're rehabbing an injury for seven, eight months, give us a comparison to game shape and physical shape. What's the difference between the two? It's, a lot of times it's like night and day because you, you're getting pounded. I also had mono, so I missed a bunch of time with that. Broke my collarbone, so I missed another four or five, six months with that. <laughs> so I was away from the team. And, and psychologically, it plays on you too. And then when you start getting back in there, it becomes um, you're trying to get out there, you're trying to play, but when you get the up-tempo game, like the, you saw what happened with Carson. I mean, he, he actually played a lot better once they went up-tempo and they went no huddle. And that's tough, really difficult to replicate in practice. I don't care what it is. Basically, what it means is you get winded. You're gonna take, you got to take some time off. And also, your legs get all that lactic acid build up. So it takes you a couple weeks, truly, of game mm. playing to where you feel like your legs are underneath you. So with what Bill just said, here's a concern with Jeffrey. He, he's had a history of soft tissue injuries uh, going back to... Uh, the Bears, and there were questions with the Bears, was he in good enough physical shape? Here, talking to Eagle players and front office over the past year since they signed him, his attitude has been incredible. I remember asking Zach Ertz during training camp, why do you have such a good locker room? He, he said to me, he was like, look, it's the buy-in. As soon as Alshon came here, whatever we had heard or whatever the rumors were, that was at, they were out the door. The, everyone's unselfish. Everyone is giving. And he sacrificed his own greater good. Remember, he was on a contract here when the Eagles signed him. Mm-hmm. He signed him to a one-year deal and then, you know, extend his contract. But Alshon has to show, and Bill made a really good point here, I, I find it hard to believe he's going to play, if he does play this week, Let's typically you average around 60 snaps. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine, Jeff, 50 snaps. Uh, his first game back? Right. And Bill just talked about it. How, how in the world could you replicate that game speed in practice, and by the way, the Eagles went up-tempo to start last week's game, which was awesome. Yep. Didn't see that coming. That was really smart by Doug, Jeff. So I think the Eagles have to be careful here. They cannot have him suffer setback. They do not have depth at that position. Well, they don't have depth, but doesn't that also mean that as m- they might be tempted to use him as much as they possibly can? you got to go on the road, play a tough Tennessee team What's that has low kept 80s, two teams. Uh, yeah, be yeah. There. yeah. T- kept two teams under... T- I mean, they've won somehow two games without having Mar- Mariota healthy. They're two and one. Plus, their their corners aren't that big. You know, they've got Malcolm Butler. Uh, they get the kid they drafted a couple of years ago on the other side, whose name escapes me right now. They're not terribly big, physical. Yeah, so you got an opportunity to make some plays down. Logan Ryan will be their slot corner. Yeah, I mean, so, I agree with you. I don't yeah, think he's going to yeah. play 60, snaps. 65 yeah, snaps. Yeah. But can you get him in for 35 half a game? Yeah, I, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable number. All it takes is one red, big play to make red, a difference. Red zone, right? For red sure, zone. for sure. With zone, his yeah. size, yep. That is something that I noticed. Last week, as we kind of look at the Tennessee game, yes, Goddard helped them, and, and as we had said since first week one, Goddard's got to get the football, and he did. It's it's kind of like it's either Ertz or Goddard, or who else is going to get the football there? They just don't have anyone. They they need that outside receiver, and getting him back to me is paramount for the advancement of the passing game. You know, it's crazy. And you, uh, that's a great point. And they had that when they threw the ball down the field. You could see the targets. Even even the catches, there was maybe a couple catches to the outside, but Very even little. the targets were only a couple more. So it wasn't like they were even throwing the ball and they just weren't getting it. Carson was strictly looking middle of the field to the tight end. There I was, mean, it worked, but you know, it's not going to – you got you to get some outside presence. There was literally – we know about this, right? Anybody watch it? 
one play where tar- uh, Carson targeted the outside because the Colts had only 10 men on the field and nobody covering uh-huh, right? the outside receiver. I, 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 I charted the game. It was Josh Perkins. See, it has yeah, to be yeah. the only time in his life and his career that nobody said, ah, I'm just not going to cover him. He, uh, all but one play, he, he lined up in line to block. Yeah. But I think the big story when we look at last week's game, we mentioned Goddard's usage. I was stunned at how well he blocked. He drove a linebacker defensive back into the ground, and I was like, I've never seen Zach Kurtz do that. No offense, Zach. Really good football player, but... That, to me, showed me that he can block. Because, you know, there were questions at South Dakota State. The tape showed that he didn't really block. He was never asked to do it. He was a, he was a flex tight end. Right. So that, to me, and you noticed last week that Ertz and Goddard played a ton of snaps together. Mm-hmm. Well, a ton. A, a, a more than I expected. I just wonder, this is, I th- think, something that we were all wondering, certainly this week. Now, if Jeffrey comes back... Will he go back to, okay, they're going to go with one back, three receivers, and not a lot of two tight ends? I just wonder if he's going to do that. I agree because you're talking about a coach who has really taken hold of 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, one tight end, and run with it. And last year, the Eagles were extraordinarily successful out of that formation, and you saw that it took, over the first two games, the Eagles literally getting zero production out of DeAndre Carter, out of Marcus Wheaton, out of Shelton Gibson in order for him to put Dallas Goddard on the field. So I think I think the big litmus test or, or the observation from here on out is how much will he play two tight ends together when his receivers start to get healthy. One thing I want to say, I spoke to Dallas after the game specifically about what you said about the fact that he was a flex tight end at South Dakota State. And I asked him, I said, you know, just this happens to a lot of guys, right? They play in a certain scheme, so they're, they're told throughout the pre-draft process. All the talking heads and analysts say, well, he plays in this scheme, so he can't do X, Y, and Z. And Dallas was like, no, it's just that I wasn't asked, he was asked to, to do it. Yeah, he right. said, I'm, he, you know, he's, he's 6'5", 230 pounds. He he's knows he has a that. big body. He, is, he does look bigger he's than bigger that, than but Earth. he's bigger than he's listed. Bigger than yeah. Not only did he ha- there was one play where he blocked Najee Good all the way from the left side of the line of scrimmage to the right side. And almost at, it reminded me, you know what it reminded level. me of? You ever see the blind side where uh, the kid, uh, Michael Ower, gets so annoyed in high school that he lifts up a kid and he throws him over the fence on the other side of the... Yeah. He was literally blocking Najee Good into tomorrow. I was really <laughs> impressed by this kid. That might have been the play I was talking about. Uh, yeah, I think it was. I, it was Josh Adams' 10-yard run uh, over left it, tackle. It might have been 53. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. He gave that guy a run. No, 53 is uh, Darius Leonard played okay, amazing. It was 50 what, good. Yeah, yeah. But okay. the bottom line is what Dallas Goddard showed was that he's got to be on the field by hook or crook, in my opinion. I mean, I don't... He was so good. I, I, <laughs> I I, that's it. what I was bringing up. Bill, as a football player, when you... Did you watch Hill 22 this week? Yeah, okay. yeah, sure. When you watch Tate... The thing that we're talking about the All-22 tape, I watched the Hull Eagles offense this morning again. I wanted to see if I could pick up anything different because I decided to chart it. I was amazing the presence that this rookie had for the, his first extended usage. From a physical standpoint, for a guy like yourself who's played and coached, don't you feel when a guy has a dominant game like that, seven catches, he caught all seven targets and a touchdown, don't you feel like going forward you want to keep using him? Or how, how would you think from a coaching standpoint – Again, it's only one game, but how, after watching the tape, how would you feel? The coaches, you get in there, and they're like, okay, the, he's now flashed. So he can he proved that he can play. Because that's always the thing when you get your opportunity. you got to flash. He did more than flash. He had some dominating plays where he was blocking, unbelievable, which we all saw. Of course, 
we were watching that film today, and even like little things in the passing game, which we were looking at that, and we saw it today. On that touchdown pass, obviously Carson did a tremendous job. They looked like they were going to go cover two, and then they looked like they are going to go man. The next thing you know, they jumped into cover three. Right. Carson sees that. He looks at the free safety. He looks like he's going to throw the fade route or the slant, so he works the free safety with his eyes. But on the backside... Gooder did a tremendous job working off the release and then getting past the linebacker and widening so that he throws that little you can say a little window instead of being like that it's like that and Carson's able to get him the football. Big, big, so big I mean, yeah. yeah, that's a yeah. play that's usually for a veteran, not a first year guy. So when a guy shows you something like that, you want to get more. All right, so so one of the coaches told me during training camp, I was just ta- I was just talking as we were coming off the field. It was probably like midway through training camp. I was on my tour and I came back for one day. I just wanted to see the progress of the team because when you're away from training camp from a team that you cover locally or you know, you feel like you're missing. Yeah, you got to catch up. <laughs> yeah, so I said, "Hey, wh- how's Goddard doing?" He goes, "He goes, he goes. He sticks his nose in there. He's a little bit better than I thought." And this was not someone who's involved in calling plays. He was just evaluating tape. He's like, "Wow, this is pretty impressive. This kid. We'll see what happens later on." He didn't want to go overboard. He goes, Pr- "Pretty good." He's, he's, he's a little bit far adva- farther advanced than we thought. And now, based on everything we're saying, and our eyes told us, we saw the All-22, and we're seeing the same tape, by the way, that coaches do. This guy, this guy's got a chance to be really good, and most teams don't play two pass-catching tight ends. The Patriots did it with Aaron Hernandez. We know what happened to him. And Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. Belichick was onto something. And then Hernandez. The Saints seem to do it a little bit more often than others. Uh, but but two pass catching tight ends that it could dominate. Well, no one's t- done it like yeah, not flexed out. But you can have an inline and a flex and still have the inline but guy. But no release. one. Okay, Hernandez played H back. Hernandez is a better athlete. Correct. Yep. But to have two pass catching tight ends with size and are athletic, when they get with Jeffrey coming back either this week or next week, I still think it's going to be this week. Mm-hmm. And then later, I, I saw on Facebook people asking about Matt Collins. He won't be back till the second half of the season. But. And Wallace, obviously, I still think Wallace will come back. If everyone stays healthy, and I'll cross my fingers for their sake. I'm not a fan, but I'm crossing my fingers for those guys. This thing could be really big, but a lot has to happen. Speaking yeah. of big, Billy, and I'll let you finish, but yeah. I just wanted to correct what I said before. The Titans have a five foot eleven corner in Malcolm Butler, and their other corner I couldn't remember, Dory Jackson, Jackson from yeah. USC, five foot eleven. Okay, so uh, they're physical guys, but they're not very tall. No, and what happens when you get two pass catching tight ends who also can play in the running game? It's going to show what type of offense. Now, we've seen, if you just think about Tampa, when you have a tight end that's you know serviceable and you have guys on the outside that can go get it, it just, and you have a running back, it just opens up your offense, and it's making that quarterback look like he's the next coming of you know whatever you want to talk about, Brett Favre or Dan Marino or Joe Montana. He's putting up numbers, and that's because the defense is getting stretched. You can't double, and when you do double, they take advantage of it, and they go to the backside. So if the Eagles can get a pass or a guy who's going on the outside, can catch the ball, and also he stretch the defense, you're going to see an offense that's going to be complete and going to be able to attack, and you're going to put up some big numbers. All right, I, don't want, I didn't want to do this, but I'm going to, because I think it's a fair, <laughs> it's a fair and valid question, and I don't, if people want to call me a troll, they can, but I've been thinking about it, because I always know that Howie is thinking two steps ahead. Okay. His, this coach has made no bones about how much he likes to have 11 personnel. All right? He's drafted, though. The GM drafts a tight end in the second round when he already has a Pro Bowl tight end. Depth is big in this league, but value is big in this league too. Is there any shot that, knowing that Zach Ertz's cap number balloons after this year, that the Eagles have to make some kind of difficult decision, not after this year, but maybe after next, about whether or not they need to carry 
two of the, both of these guys when one uh, costs a billion dollars and the other one is still in a rookie deal? I, I'm not sure. I, I don't have this contract in front of me, so I, I don't know what the contract structure is, if there's any real guarantee. Well, he was one of the guys that restructured. I know, but I wonder if there's any fully guaranteed money next season. Mm-hmm. That would obviously keep him on the roster. Um, I, they're just on to something with these two tight ends. I, I really believe. I asked, a, I asked a GM on my training camp tour uh, about that subject, and this GM said, look, just so you know, uh, this team was picking the 20s. He goes, we were going to draft Goddard had we not gotten our player. Right. We won it in, in the first round. He said in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was number two on their board. And he goes, this kid is so complete. As, as uh, Goddard told you, he was just not asked to block. Right. It's not like he couldn't do it. And now he's so far advanced, way more advanced than Ertz was as a rookie. Well, that's why I brought yeah. it up. Yeah. Is that It doesn't seem like it's going to take this guy two or three years to completely develop. Man, and by I, the end I, of the year, he might be looking Jeff, like a really it, good tight end. It's an interesting Just to question. bring in $3.7 million uh, bonus. That's okay. it. After okay. 2020, that's out. So okay. what you're saying is, and thanks to John Barcher for butting in there, Jeff, what you're yeah, saying he, is he could become a case. He's not costly if you cut him. No, but I, they or wouldn't trade cut him anyway. I'm saying trade him. They're, yeah. they're not looking to do that. I know that they're not. But I just think that they're onto something with these two tight ends, why do it? Because we all had the same question. Like we all knew they were going to draft a tight end. Thought the third round would be the earliest. The second, that guy's got to play a lot. And that was our our concern. We mentioned on last week's podcast was why aren't they playing Goddard? There's something wrong there. And then a bunch of the local media happened to ask Mike Rowe about it and others. So I thought it was interesting. Well, let me you ask know, you this: nobody's not nobody's untradeable. But I think when you have a young guy like Carson Wentz and you have an opportunity to build an offense around like exactly. that, it'd be really tough to lose a guy like that. I'm not saying that that's not something that can't happen, but I think I agree they're on to something here. This can be a dominating offense. Just go put your pieces together. You already have a piece of a Pro Bowl. You have another Pro Bowl guy. Get some guys on the outside. Going to be dominant. I think what got me thinking of it, and listen, I, we don't I mean, again. It's just something to talk, talk about in the future, but. Jimmy Graham had a great year for New Orleans. I'm sorry, no, for, yeah, New Orleans. And they traded him to Seattle because they needed a center. So they traded a really good tight end for a center. That was well, the trade. There, there, some other, that, yes, that, there yeah. were some other extraneous I know there issues. Was, there's other stuff going on yeah, there. Yeah, uh, I just yeah, thought it was... Yeah. Uh, just, that was odd after one year after they extended his contract. That's like bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I remember. Yeah. He sued the team about being whether he's a tight end and a wide receiver, right? That I mean, was he, on the franchise tag. Yeah, yeah on, the, on the franchise tag. All right, moving on. Let me, let's fold it in, though, because Carson Wentz is back. Yeah, that's... And does Alshon Jeffries return make... The defense is so far they've seen a lot of two deep. Atlanta plays a cover one, so it's one deep safety. But the other two, the last two teams have played a lot of two deep safeties against the Eagles. Does it seem to you that if you have Alshon Jeffrey on the outside and you have both Goddard and Ertz on the field, that defenses have to play them differently? There, it, there's you mean if, if he comes back and he's healthy and he can go get the ball, there's no doubt that you cannot play the same type of defense against him as you did against the guys that were <laughs> Who out Who benefits there. more, Goddard, Jeffrey, or Jeffrey? Or Ertz? Uh, I think it's going to be Jeffrey because the, what's going to happen is they're going to still have to stick to the tight end. So it's like pick your poison. You know, They know that those guys are going to get it. They're going to make him beat them. So I think that they're going to still try and play one-man coverage on the outside. It's a lot easier to double on the inside than it is, or at least especially if you're trying to disguise it. So you have much much more opportunity to get single coverage on the way outside, or they'll put you in motion. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to benefit, and uh, he could he could dominate. Now they may try and roll, and that's where cover two is great against a, a good receiver because you bump him at the line of scrimmage, you ride him about five or six yards, you release him to the safety, the safety comes over top, so you have a hard time getting up the line of scrimmage. But when you're a big guy like that and you're physical. 
you take your chances. If you whip at the line of scrimmage or you get beat, I mean, you're talking about getting shots constantly, constantly, constantly. And then they'll run your way, too. And then you just got a bad, bad afternoon. I think, that, again, I think they're on to something. They need, they need to continue to play Goddard. I'll be very disappointed, guys. If Goddard doesn't play a third of the snaps, he should never have fewer than three catches a game. He had seven in this game, caught all seven targets. He need to catch seven a game. But he's such a physical presence. He's a bit, he's bigger physically than Ertz. He just is. Right. And I knew this, I knew this at training camp. He's probably this kid's probably somewhere between two forty and two fifty. He's he's like bigger chest. He's just he's just a bigger target. And you add Jeffrey, and the way that Wentz play, we need to get into that because that's obviously a big story and how what we saw from the tape. There's just so much you can do, D- Doug. I think not that he didn't know that, but after watching that tape, because we all saw it, we're like, okay. They need to do this because if Doug knows more about football than we do, mm-hmm. he sees it. He's got to keep doing it. I just want just to put an exclamation put on that. Ertz is such a special talent. It's really I'm watching him. He he can go up against corners and safeties. He can dominate. He wins a lot. yeah all the time at the line of scrimmage. They they're afraid to get after him because he's so fast. He can get he can get deep. He can close the cushion. We saw that one play when it, when the ball was snapped. You saw him come off the line of scrimmage like he was a wide receiver. Did mm-hmm. you see? Remember we watched that today? Of course. Five yards down the field, Zach was looking like the receiver. He was two yards in front of the receiver on the outside. Right. He kept blasting off the line of scrimmage. Whereas, you know, yes, uh, Dallas is a great player, but he's still more of that guy that's in the middle of the field where you're going to have a matchup against the linebackers and the free safeties. And the safeties, I don't think right now he could, like, flex out wide and really beat a corner consistently down the field. He's not a Zach Ertz. Correct. But he's in that offense. I agree. He needs to play. And also, he's a dominating run blocker. So, and for people who really need to, to like get into the X and O, the reason why Doug likes three wide receivers is because the dif- defense comes out with an extra corner instead of a linebacker. So they come out with three corners instead of three linebackers, right? And that makes the defense lighter, and it spreads it out a little bit, and it makes you your running back run only against maybe six-man boxes. So Doug, Doug's point was, if I play two tight ends, then the defense stays in three linebacker formations, which is base, and that's harder to well, run against. But it wasn't because that's exactly what the Colts did. They God, came out with the three way, linebackers. And Goddard played in base, which I thought was interesting. He, the Eagles came they in did. plenty with two tight ends, with, with Goddard was in early on the down, which was a good thing. So... Yeah, the, obviously, Jeff and Bill, the other thing is, based on our tape study, Doug Peterson talked about Carson Wentz, but I thought it was interesting, and I didn't see this coming. This is, again, we didn't, we didn't know that they were going to use Goddard the way that they did, and I love that they came in trying to get Carson Wentz in a rhythm early. That's what up-tempo does. Coaches have told me over the years, I want throws that the guy can make early to give him some confidence. This guy's not played in a real game uh, in... Really, it's about eight months, mm-hmm. nine months. So this gives them a chance to get off early. And I love that they played fast and they went no huddle. Uh, they spread the field. I thought that was really awesome. I thought overall Carson played relatively well. He The, the rust was, uh, in my charting, he had four passes that were high, too high. He had he had um, three that I, now again, I don't know what the play call was, but where it was from all 22, it looked like it was on the wrong shoulder of the, of the receiver of the tight end. But overall, the thing that you, you see the one major difference between Wentz and Falls, Wentz is not checking that ball down. He does not like to check the ball down. This is what we saw last year. Mm-hmm. It's a last resort. He checked the ball down three times. In to, other words, he's the anti-Sam Bradford. He's not looking to do it. Right. The anti-Dak yeah. Prescott. He yeah. wants to get the first down or the ball downfield. But, Jeff, as you pointed out, no one could get open downfield. So it was, I think Bill talked about it, 
It was the inside pass again, inside the numbers. Sure. Because they have no one who can get downfield and get open without Wallace's speed, without Matt Collins' speed, and without Jeffrey using his, his leverage. So I thought overall, I thought the game plan was sound. Carson made a couple mistakes, obviously the fumble and the interception. He knew it as soon as he threw it. He he you know he hit his hand like that because he knew he made a bad decision. But what were your thoughts overall? I, Start with you, Jim. I thought that them coming out, no huddle, shotgun, up tempo like that, and even empty backfield, which was you know a lot, empty a lot of empty is by no way. protection. Like ten or eleven plays, I think. I, I thought it was the difference in the entire game because Carson that that first of all it limited the Colts. They couldn't sub. You saw they got it was a it was an eleven play drive. Right, the Colts are in their big, point, big yeah. base defense. They can't get anybody on off the field. They tried to once, and as I mentioned, Carson right. caught him and threw it to a wide open Josh Perkins. And I say it, it's in a game that after that touchdown drive, it was a lot of punting, a lot of field goals, and then finally a long drive at the end. I think most people would have expected that Carson was going to come out rusty in his first start and then fit, get get lathered up and get better. But it was actually. In hindsight, it was probably, I think Doug was anticipating the opposite. Playing his first game in nine months, his conditioning is not with everybody. He's probably going to get tired as the game goes on, so why not capitalize on his strengths when he's fresh? And that's exactly what they did in the first quarter. Made Indianapolis tired by going no huddle, gave Carson a bunch of high-percentage throws to make, gave him the keys to the car, and they let him drive it. And if that doesn't happen, I don't know if the Eagles win the game. Uh, I, they don't win the game if Carson's not the quarterback. That's my opinion. Watching that tape, to me, I'm shocked at the way that they played the offense, that they put so much on him so so early. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that they went maximum or they went uh, empty back or mm-hmm. one back so many times. And even the one back, a lot of times, he checked and went right out. And Carson's back there by himself. To me, that was shocking. And that one play when Carson was Carson – and he looked to his right. He got some pressure. He looked to his left. He hit the brakes. Look, no, he back. was ducking to his yeah, right. He was ducking, ducking to his left. To his right. He came up forward, and you saw his knee like four times could have blown out if it wasn't strong and safe. <laughs> and then he throws a touchdown pass, and he runs down, and he hits him up high, and he jumps. I'm like, that knee is as sound as you can possibly have it after that time. That right there, that play on the sack showed it. To me, when in, the, in a wet field, when, when the ball is slippery, in the rain, and your running game is going pretty good, your up-front guys are dominating, and to still throw the ball that much and go shotgun constantly right. was shocking to me. And, you know, Adam said it earlier, I, I didn't see it coming either. And there's also a play we noticed that Nick just doesn't make. And it's a couple of plays before the touchdown to Goddard. I didn't even see it. I mean, you, you, it was the Colts don't blitz. They play cover two. You guys all saw that. They very rarely blitz. When they do, they are not trying to show you that they're blitzing. And Bill see, and I were watching. Leonard did a loop where he, he did a. He, that was a delayed he, loop, right? That was, that was a like beautiful, a, stunt, a beautiful blitz. Yeah. Again, he got yeah. to Carson easily. Yeah. But in the, on that first drive where the Eagles score, there's just some subtle movement by the left corner and the deep safety that m- must have alerted Carson that something was coming yeah. because he looks over at Ertz. Ertz looks over at Josh Perkins again, who split right. They kind of communicate. And as soon as the ball is snapped, those linebackers that were still, they were not declaring, they come right after Carson. And the first thing he does is fire it to Ertz for an eight-yard completion that puts him right at the 25. Two plays later, they score. Nick Foles, love him, love him everything he's did. Good quarterback. He can change plays. He can recognize things. Not as quickly, not as precisely, not as accurately as Carson wins. And that's, that, that play right there 
is the difference sometimes between having a Carson and anybody else on the field. Okay, the term is called processing information. Carson has got that computer before the snap. His his pre-snap recognition is incredible. It's really, uh, I've covered this business 20 years. Other than Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, a couple others, there's no one better before the snap that I've seen at, at this age. Okay, it's, and it's so young. quick. It's, yeah. The guy's amazing. And his willingness to make tough throws, and he's not scared. He he. There's nothing. He's he he really definitely plays off of his head coach who calls the plays. Mm-hmm. I think that really helps uh, as a play caller. Doug calls everything. And the difference, another difference between the two is you're not going to ask Nick Foles to make the same throws with Wentz. He, Nick's not going to make a deep comeback a lot because he doesn't have the pa- deep comeback's a power throw. That you got to drive it 25 yards to your left or your right. That that's not an easy throw, but. Carson can make any throw, and he's willing to make any throw. And another another play was the play, the deep middle play to um, to Wendell Smallwood. Had it, had it been accurate, that was a touchdown. He he well, he had to go. Get, he had it. He he just had to die for it. Right. Um, but the fact that he even th- saw know, Wendell Smallwood exactly. open on that side that, of the field that's what was I was amazing. Get to. Yeah. He, this is just something that's innate. I I don't know how much you can t- teach Bills better to speak to it than we are, but there's something about this guy that is uh, special. And his ability to process is, is a line that I learned from Ron Jaworski and Greg Cosell sitting in their office for 12 years. I would see it with Brady. They would show me uh, pre-snap recognition. This is special. If people really want to understand when they're watching, if you watch all 22 like we have, you're going to see it because you can't see it on TV very well because you're not getting the right shot. We get an overhead shot. It's simply remarkable. Well, Bill, talk about that play because that's exactly what Adam's talking about as far as a pre-snap read because if you remember on that, the Colts are showing blitz, yep. but they, they didn't. They exactly right. And and the, when I love when I see the things and and I'm watching Carson, he is not afraid. And that's a great analogy of way he processes. He's saying to himself, "This is a difficult throw, but I don't care." And when you throw the ball behind the linebacker in front of a safety, is probably one of the most difficult throws for a quarterback to make and to complete consistently against cover two. Carson did it four or five times in the game. I mean, it was. I mean, he threw it to Zach. He threw it to uh, Wendell. Now, Wendell was a different play. They looked like they were coming, man, and they sh- they ran that jet sweep motion, mm-hmm. and he faked the jet sweep motion. But it was a tremendously designed play by Carson or by by Coach Peterson and the offensive staff because it looks like it's 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 pressure. It looks like they're going to blitz, but then they just stayed in man with the free man over top. So now you're thinking, okay, how do they still get the ball down the Wendell down the left hash? Right. Well, they ran a deep cross. And took the free safety oh. all the way off off the left hash and brought him all the way over. Then they ran three to the left side, and Wendell came out of the backfield and ran a little out and up where you call a wheel route. But except it's not in the sideline; it's down the left hash because they already had a running back going to the sideline. And Wendell then instead of going there, he turns it right up the field and he's against the linebacker and he just abuses well, him. One thing I would add is that the Eagles do an incredible job of making you think that. The plays to this one guy. Well, that guy's to clear that clear out the ball for the guy's going to catch the football. They're called space creators. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Mc- to call them decoys too. Sean, <laughs> Sean McVay does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the best at creating space. Doug Peterson does it. Andy Reid does it. Yeah. He, he he'll line up two guys on the same side. One guy, his job is to clear out the ball for the other guy. And they did it repeatedly in this game. Yeah, by the I, way, I, Jordan Matthews was incredible. that guy because he lined up on yeah. the outside where he's not, not really Never played. The ball. Yeah. And he only got the ball once. He actually yeah. made a really nice catch, a 14-yarder. But basically his job was to clear out the corner and the safety. Let's let somebody else, they'll a have, tight end or a running back, have, have a guy run a make seven a play. Or not, generally a, set, a nine route, which is a deep, a deep route. Right. And that guy's going to – what they want is the defender to clear out and follow him. They did. And 
Ertz is going to beat that guy one on one every single time. So the, the, the formation variation was terrific. Okay, so the question I asked before about Goddard and Alshon and who benefits more came from one of our very loyal uh, viewers and, and podcast listeners, okay. Graf uh, Eggers. So I wanted to point that out. Thanks for asking, Graf. We also have anybody who wants to ask a question, we have a question from Jeff. It's when Hollins returns, on the, uh, does he start the, on the outside? No, well, no, because Wallace and, and uh, Hollins should, should eventually come back. Right. I mean, obviously, well, I think Hollins is going to come back before Wallace. Uh, you know what? I thought so, but remember, wow. this is his second groin injury. Yeah. Um, so, okay. uh, we'll see. Um, you know, Mike, his injury is a 68-week recovery. Uh, broken leg without any other fractures, with any other complications, is six to eight weeks. Uh-huh. So I think both will eventually return. So I think it'll be Jeffrey... Eventually, if every if they've got six guys available, it's going to be Jeffrey, Aguilar in the slot, Wallace if he ever gets back, mm-hmm. and Mac is back to his being the fourth receiver. And uh, by the way, Jordan Matthews could back up in slot. Um, he's insurance. By the way, you, deep. or it could just be that you've got more of a two tight end, two receiver offense. So you have Jeffrey and sure. Aguilar, and then you have Ertz, uh, and you have God. I'll be so but, interested, guys, to see if if Doug reverts back to Jeff. Let, you know, as you said, one one back, three receivers for the predominant formation because there's no reason to after what this kid put on tape. I, I, I just, I'll be very disappointed, not that I care what teams do, mm-hmm. but I love when teams get it right with a player. I am positive the Eagles know what they were doing with Goddard. Like they, from a front office perspective, they saw a kid who could not change the game, but when you tag him with Ertz, they could do things that no other... There's no other tight end tandem in the NFL that's doing this. Right. There's and, not. And, and we saw, you know, when, even though statistically they they clobbered them in, in the game this week, because they had so many penalties, and there was a couple drops, I mean, they just had so many False penalties. False starts yes, with 71. They were constantly <laughs> yeah, behind... A fumbled the, snap. Yep, yeah. They were constantly behind the change. They were constantly first and long or, or second and long. And it just it almost cost them because if they don't go in that last play drive, which was like 17 plays, they were behind. They were behind, and, yeah. and, and he went eight for eight. <laughs> I mean, Is that right? Was he eight for eight? Eight wow. for eight yeah. that last wow. drive. And if it wasn't for a fourth down call, they would have probably That's won right. that a legit game. call, by the way. It was a legit I, call. I mean, the Colts were. They, listen, I give them credit. You need to use every trick in the book. That defensive line is about as grabby well, and pushy as I've ever the way, seen. They're by the way, small. I'm now in the Marcus Fast. Hunt fan club. Okay, that he, guy. Yeah, he's tall. Is a ma- he's more than tall. Yeah, he, he is a force this year. Yeah. I don't know what. And then yeah, we watched a play where he was double teamed by Wisniewski and um, no, long wingspan and Kelsey, six, six, and he eight. just beat them both. Six eight six nine. Got, and, and made the tackle. And made the tackle. Yeah, he's, right. he's an amazing player. But he was. He I was. think overall, I think the Eagles have to be happy. Uh, they, they should have scored more. My prediction was twenty three to ten. What was the final? Score? Like 20 to 18? No, no, no. Uh, what was it? 16, right? 2016, okay. right. Okay, so I, I thought that they're still going to struggle scoring points because they just don't have enough. But if Jeffrey plays like we think he's going to play, it's going to make a difference, even even if he only plays 20 snaps. All so right, we'll we're, see what we're being asked about it on Twitter, and I was going to bring it up. Okay. All right, this came comes from Steven, and I, he didn't even include a first name, but I know who he's talking about. Okay. Steven asks, any shot for Bell? And, of course, he's talking about <laughs> Le'Veon Bell. It's not Demetrius Bell, is it? No, not <laughs> That ship has sailed, my friend. Uh, uh, hey, Ricky it. Bell. That was a great one. No, he's All right. So, no, I, well, I meant the one from Bill. Yeah, Bell. sure. But anyway. Le'Veon Bell, huh? Uh, Le'Veon Bell. All right. The question is, the questions are, should they and can they? You could do, any, you could do anything. Like, you could manipulate the cap. You would have to release you a bunch can, well, of you guys. Can't, right. You can't touch. The only thing you could do with Bell's contract, just to clear this up, 
You cannot decrease his pay. You can only increase it for one year. You cannot extend his contract until the Eagles season is over. That's correct. So you have to take the fourteen and a half million that comes with the tender, and whatever yeah. the prorated. You know, let's say for argument's sake, I mm-hmm. still don't think they're doing this, but let's say for argument's sake, the Eagles entertain this. You get about the deadline, so it's um, not, not the full fourteen and a half. Whatever, whatever, whatever with trade deadlines in, in late October, whatever it would be left. Right. You have to have the cap space. The owner's got to be willing to look. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to come back. He's made it very clear. He doesn't really want to come back on this contract, even for a one-year deal. Right. I mean, his teammates remember now. This is why you know that now we're getting into it. I I've never seen this before. A a player he wasn't he's not technically holding out. He's just not signing his franchise. That's standard. correct. He doesn't even have a contract. That's right. His offensive linemen that he's close to went after him. Yeah. Okay. Because they felt they were betrayed. Mm-hmm. We know that the Eagles overall are great locker room. Um, they 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 sacrifice. This is a player, and I get that he's trying to save himself for the big contract. Bell only turns 27, in, uh, I think, January. But this, the optics, and I had agents reach out to me, one big-time agent who's had multiple first-round picks in the last couple drafts. He was blown away by how bad Bell came off. Eagles have all this information. They have all the tweets. Uh, his agent, Deez Bakari, who's a very good agent, um, he's had a deal with this. Mm-hmm. And people have questioned how he's dealt with it. Uh, this is this has been an ugly situation. Um, am, I, am I wrong for uh, actually sympathizing with Le'Veon Bell because how so? as because his whole argument is you give me the ball four or five hundred times a year, which is more than anybody else. He had the, the most touches in the league last year and has averaged per game the most touches in the league over the last two or three years, and they make him an offer with a lot less guaranteed money than Todd Gurley just got. And then say, if you're not going to sign it, then we're going to play you on a one-year deal, and we are going to run your ass into the ground with 600 more touches, and you have to be the one, Levian, to hope that you stay healthy so that when you do go into free agency, you go hit. Here's the problem. Hit the, you hit the, need, uh, market. You, if you're Le'Veon Bell, you need to keep this in-house. Mm. Don't let anyone who's close to your agent or anyone else go on the record and make, make you sound like you're selfish. I agree. Okay, but that, I'm, that is but the, not what you want to do. Right, but what, I'm, makes you what look he bad. is arguing, maybe unprofessionally the way it's going about, but his side is you're going to run me into the ground the year before I'm supposed to hit free agency. Which Look, we saw DeMarco Murray get run into the ground by the Cowboys the year before free agency. And when he hit the open market, the Eagles signed him for less money than Steven Jackson signed for five years earlier. Even earlier, like six years earlier. The market was terrible. The Cowboys knew it. And they, let, they ran him into the ground, and then they let him walk in free agency, and he didn't get paid huge money. Yeah, so I, this is what Le'Veon Bell has to think about. The, Do the, I want to get I, run I into the ground, bang up my body in these cold December games and January games? But this then, isn't really an argument over that. The argument yeah. is, should the Eagles get involved? And I, I, I would be stunned. This is not their history with running backs. The only running back that they ever paid, and I, I know that they did it for the right reasons, to reward Brian Westbrook. Westbrook, yeah, after uh, That was right. a, he was done after, remember, he was pretty much done after that contract. I mean, they, they, gave, one, they gave Lashon yeah. McCoy a, great a contract, contract when, right. when his first time but around. We're talking about, we're talking about the market. The, Chip Kelly wasn't willing to do it. You know, that was a mistake, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the Eagles really didn't want to do it with Deuce Staley. That was ugly. That was my first year covering the team in 2000. Uh, overall, Teams just don't like paying running backs. And as you said, Jeff, man, the market, Billy, has gone way down at running back. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that he, he, he's right in that he's, he's got there. He's, he's unbelievable. He's a great player. 
But uh, I, uh, I'm signing with Adam on this one. He just went about it the wrong way. And I think the way he went about it so wrong is, is, is hurting himself in the ability to get that contract. He didn't handle it as a team guy, and I don't care what you want to say, and I know the league and the man, no one play for all that. I get it. But the Steelers are not the organization that you want to, especially the Steelers. They're, they just That's don't true. play that way. Right. And it's hurt in his, his, it's hurt the guys in the locker room because those offensive linemen feel like they're betrayed because you turn around, he's down there on jet skis in Miami. Now, is he okay to go have some fun? Sure. But when your team's out there, it's just, it just got the wrong optics, and so I think it's hurt him. one year. One year. He wants to get traded. You get him for one year. Would you give up a third-round pick? I, if I was Eagles, I'd stay away from. Them. That's that's my opinion. I think they're. I think they've just messed up the locker room and the chemistry. I don't. Think they won with the they same. They said run- that about Ajayi. Jeff, yep. but they run. They won with the same running backs as last year. What's what's really the difference here? Well, you don't have Legarrette Blunt, and you already have well, you ha- Ajayi have- injured. You didn't have Carson Wentz. He's back. You've got well, if Ajay- the Ajayi's got a minor back injury, at least it's believed to be minor. Well, we'll see how minor it is. Uh, but he's all, that's on top of the injuries I mean, concerns that they already he's have. He's one of the best players in the league. Yes, you would want him, but I think it's Bell's too much a risk. Not enough reward. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. unbelievable. Player. Yeah, too yeah, much risk. The worry about the lot. I'm not. He's only here for a half a year. Yeah. If I acquire him at the deadline, he's wa- he's trying to hit free agency healthy and with a good reputation. So would you I give up a third round up? pick to do it? I probably would for the re- for third round. Oh, pick he's he's I mean for sure special. He. If they got him, he would change the game. He yeah, is no a ga- he's incredible. All right. Well, we'll see what the what kind of offers the Steelers even get for him. Yeah. Um, I think we have. Do we have one more? We want to wrap this up with Howlands, Shopper Bell. Uh, look ahead to the Titans real quick. About two minutes, and we'll be back on Saturday. And correct? we're oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to mention. We yeah. will be back Saturday here on WIP doing our Inside the Birds Radio Hour. Actually, I think we might join forces a little bit with. Uh, with the Go Birds Network. 1 so, to 4 p.m. Eastern? Yeah, yeah. they're going to start at yeah. 1. I think we're, we're jumping okay. in at 2 o'clock, JB. Is that the deal? So okay. we're jumping in at 2. We're going to have to get taped. We're okay. going to have to really, we're going to have to get loose. Yeah. Because yeah. JB, I mean, uh, man, when JB drives, yeah, it's I mean, a crazy old show. Yeah, so so sure. t- Titans-wise, I think the Eagles match up very well against them. Mariota has a nerve issue in his right elbow. It's not right. They think it's better this week. He can't make all the throws. That really gives the Eagles an advantage, by the way. Uh, the Titans' offensive line is really banged up. They yeah. think they're going to have right tackle Jack Conklin back. Lawan returned last week from his concussion. Their top backup offensive lineman Kevin Pamphil was put on injured reserve. So the Eagles, this is a, this is where you launch. Like this is like last year. Sure, well, they get him at the right time. You sure. won that yeah, tight sure. game against the Giants, just like you survived this Colts game, and then you took off. You've got Carson back. It's time to take Titans off. Titans' D is pretty good though. Pretty good. It's good, but you know what? The Denver Broncos came in here with the number one ranked D, and Carson's shredded it. I feel like it's just time to take off for this team now. Yeah, and and Tampa, I, I like what they did defensively. They had they had some they gave them some problems. Now they didn't have Carson out there, so Carson just gives you that dimension that it's really tough to match up against because no matter what play you're in, mm-hmm. they give him so much responsibility at the line of scrimmage. He's able not only to change the play, he can change formation, he can do offense, defense as far as passing or running. Uh, he's a tough he's a tough guy to match up, so I like the Eagles. All right, that'll do it for the show. Again, we're back on Saturday, WIP. Check us out in the uh, around the midday and also look for us on 941's homepage, right? 941.com or what, what do we call it? Come on, JB. You're a guy help me out here. WIB.com slash GoBirds yes. or the Radio.com app. Radio.com app. Stitcher, oh, they can hear us Saturday. Google okay. Play. And, uh, and yeah, then Saturday will be John, you that. and I Sunday? Sunday at the, uh, yeah, come out to the Mayfair Business Center. It's at nice. Frankfurt and Cotman. Supposedly, I think there's Eagles players there every week. I just don't know that? who it is. So. I know AJ Feely was there a couple weeks That's ago. That's right. Wow. Former Eagle. So 10A to 12P. That's that right. 10A to 12P right here on the GoBirds uh, Facebook Beautiful. page. And if you're watching this live on Facebook right now, make sure to like the GoBirds yeah. page right now. Like so that'd be too. fun. 
And also, if you get a chance, check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Jeff Mosher. Uh, a lot of good pre- tape breakdowns, scouting reports, no banner ads, no pop-ups, no nothing like that. Can I just say one thing, too? No. You guys, yes, and I got to say this. I mean, guys, listen to me, please. These guys have so many followers on Twitter. I don't know how to do this. Please, just Your tweet today was great. Your just promo for the show some, is awesome. I just, please, these guys kill me every week. If I can just get a couple. At Ozzy Football. O-Z-Z-I-E underscore football. All right? At Kaplan NFL. At Jeff Mosher NFL. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. Take care. <laughs>